Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated, elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time. G&T without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm super stoked to be joined by this awesome young man. His name is Lockie Bostock. He's a, an amazing music producer. He's also one third of the electronic indie band from Sydney, Mansion Air, who I just looked this morning, Lockie. 1.4 million listeners on Spotify. You guys are fucking huge. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, thank you for coming on the podcast today, Lockie. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. Now, when you came and stayed at our place when you were doing some work with Ash, I don't think you were being a sober person then. No, because that was last year. You kind of went sober from January this year. It was super exciting. You're around about the 200-day mark today. How's it feel? Just good. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely early days in the scheme of things, but yeah, it's nice to see some of the the benefits and all those things that people talk about kind of play out and be like, oh, that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. And it doesn't take long to feel the benefits. Usually they come on pretty quickly. It's good to speak to people that are in the early days of sobriety as well, because so many people listening to this podcast 
are like either sober curious or they're at the start. So it's really great to to talk to someone like yourself who's early days, who's also a guy and is also a musician. Like you tick so many boxes here, Lockie. So it's awesome. You're 31 years old. You've got this very successful band going, a very successful business as a music producer as well. What made you want to go sober? Like you'd think you'd be partying and having the time of your life at the moment. Yeah, I think maybe I, I've always been a big drinker, but pretty clean cut on everything else. I don't think I ever, apart from that period in your teens and early, sometimes mid twenties, like I think I was always kind of adjusted drinker and never fully dived into party party world. Really? Because your music sounds very uh, party style. Yeah, yeah, and and the band would always have this thing like well, everyone in the band is kind of of the same cut, and you know we would be doing these things where we would be on tour and we would be doing all these things that sound very party energy, and we'd all be, I guess n- now so like we're all very tired and we just go back to our hotel and just we don't really like we don't really engage too much in that that world anymore. I think maybe when we first started we did because we were also like twenty two, twenty three, and. But yeah, it's sort of, I think it's maybe expected. We've had a couple of tours maybe when we first started out where the first week we'd be like, we're on tour, let's go nuts. And we'd be drinking after every show and like really quickly learned that getting up and getting in the van the next day to drive 10 hours to the next city with a hangover in America is you can only really kind of ring that bell once or twice before your body just starts to break down. Yeah, that's brutal. Absolutely brutal. I think people have this idea of this glamorous lifestyle of life on the road, but it's fucking tough. It's usually not that kind of what people think it would be. It's just like long drives, sitting around waiting. Sure, there's drinking involved, but that's usually just to deal with the boredom. And then, yeah, it's getting up the next day and far out, piling a hangover on top of of an already grueling schedule is pretty tough to deal with. So the band's exploded. And how was that? I mean, that must have been pretty exciting. And you're probably tucking in a bit there at that stage or? Yeah. Yeah, we definitely had a pretty interesting, like none of us had really expected to be musician, like in a band. Um, Mm. We'd all kind of like, I was pretty happy with, I was on sort of a path of like writing production music and being in the studio and, seeing that and being like, oh, that, that looks awesome. That's where I want to end up. And then me and the other two guys, we, we'd all we'd all just kind of met and we threw friends of friends and we put one song up on SoundCloud with no real sort of plan or team or nothing around us. And we had a little, I guess like, you know, it's going back a while now. It's a very different place, the internet. But yeah, we just had a song kind of have a little internet moment and all of a sudden got immediately flooded with hey guys like when's where's the next music we want to hear more songs we want to hear your other demos and and we were like we don't have anything so we really hit the ground running quite hard and went straight into just like a couple of years of, of really really like recording and writing and traveling and touring and sort of pretty much immediately. And, you know, we were, we were kids just trying to work it out as well. We didn't really know what we were doing. And alcohol was just kind of always there, I think. Alcohol was the lubricator in studio sessions that aren't going well. The, mm-hmm. As you said, the thing to do when you've got three hours to chill after sound check before your show, 
the way to take the edge off after the gig. It's just sort of this like consistently present force mm. greasing all wheels of the music industry. So yeah, hard. It just sort of comes with the territory. It's a weird one. It's like water to fish. You sort of it's so it's everywhere that you don't realize how much it is around. I imagine too stepping into that kind of level of success seemingly from out of nowhere. Like you guys, is it true you hadn't even met each other in person when you put that single out? Is that correct? The other Jack and Alex, the other two guys in the band, they hadn't met because I'd really? I'd sort of like written with Alex, our drummer and producer and we'd made some stuff and I was like I'd met Jack I went to school with Jack I had sort of been the the middle piece and the song came out and sort of had a little moment and we were like oh we should probably meet go get a coffee or something and yeah really really yeah. really like nothing to something really really quickly couldn't be more unprepared I think yeah, so it's really interesting too. So I'm just imagining these young guys, they're, a couple of them haven't even met, they've put a fucking single out and this thing explodes on the internet or as you say very humbly, it had a little moment. That's pretty amazing. And so stepping into that into that space of this huge success and I guess getting to know each other and, and dealing with everything that comes along, all those cogs in the music industry, I imagine that you're drinking kind of, like you say, lubricates some of those situations. Like, did you know how to act? Did you know how to be? Like, how does one show up just when you suddenly have this success kind yeah. of load on you? <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good question. I think, like, our mental health at the time probably would have been better had we not had that sort of there. But I guess at the same time, we, as we said before, like, because we weren't full party boys, mm. we would drink a lot, but we wouldn't really touch other things just drinking was like seen as the bare minimum like it was like mm. you're hearing of other projects and other things where like people are really going off the rails and having a proper time and we were like oh yeah we're, i mean we, we don't do that like we're pretty we still make even if we're super super hungover we still make lobby call in the morning we're not like so wrecked that we're having to get dragged on stage or dragged off stage and you know we're not like mm. that so maybe this relationship that we have to alcohol is okay yeah which is i think if you were to now going through it and still sort of participating in the the industry a little bit seeing how much like i, I don't know I, i'm i try not to be too hard on myself in that process as well like because we we also were in our early 20s and our bodies could yeah. handle it a bit more and totally you're on tour with your with your mates and you're traveling around the world like of course right. you're going to want to feel the need to celebrate and but i guess maybe the main thing for me is the the hangovers and all that sort of stuff really started to just for me personally started to get bad i really started to watch my mental health take a hit and the like the anxiety get really sort of proper bad so maybe someone else in that position could handle it but maybe not so much for me yeah and look there's a saving grace too where you weren't dipping into all the party drugs as well because i imagine that would have been a much bigger shit show for your mental health had you been yeah. doing that, which is one saving grace there as well i've just been reading i don't know if you've read it Robert Mills, he's like Millsy, he was on Australian mm. Idol. He's just written this amazing book called Putting on a Show. Like it's such an incredible book where he just talks all about not just the music industry but just about being an Aussie male and how it's so hard for men especially to be able to talk about their feelings. And for him it was like dealing, like he didn't know how to express himself or talk about 
feelings and then suddenly being so famous and his mental health just took an absolute beating and it took him a while to kind of realize okay I've got to work on this in in many different aspects of my life you know Mm. taking out alcohol was one of them so obviously okay so the you're realizing that the hangovers are getting really huge the anxiety is causing issues for your mental health tell me about where you've got to the point where you've actually made this decision no I'm going to give this a break for a while yeah it's time to give this away for a bit I think I've been quite lucky that I've had considerate friends and family and people around me that have given space and I've got people around that I can kind of talk about. I haven't felt that pressure as much, which I'm super, super grateful for. Maybe that being part of the reason why I was like, maybe it's time to just even, it started as like, let's just try. Like, let's just try and see what happens if I... I'm not like wrestling with myself constantly about whether I should have a drink or not. Like, let me just deal in some sort of like binary state for a moment and be like, okay, it's, I'm not doing this. Let me just see what happens. It wasn't meant to be like a new year's resolution sort of thing, but I guess it just timed out that way. And yeah, I think I'd had, I'd started wearing like one of these like little fitness tracker things. And I've got one of those too. The Woo Band. Love it. And I, um, my friends all get annoyed at me because I talk about it all the time and probably a bit more obsessed than I should be about it. Yeah, I was just seeing like some of the the ways that when I had a big a night of drinking and not even a big night, just like a few few drinks with some friends and then I, you get your recovery score and it's always in the absolute toilet. And kind yes. of had <laughs> some, like had something reflecting back at me being like hey this is forget how you feel for the moment forget what like your emotion like here is binary data that says when you drink you are like absolute shit the next day and for a couple of days and your body is like struggling to recover and I think I was just probably a bit sick of like trying to wrestle with moderation because I was finding that wasn't working for me in the moment and and maybe I think across a few different things in my life like not having to constantly fight the oh I'll just have two drinks I'll just have one drink like I was finding that quite exhausting and like I feel like it's pretty obvious that like alcohol for me was once you have a couple drinks it makes it easier to have a couple more and yeah just having the like the binary aspect of it I'm not drinking um I found that much easier to kick things off Oh, absolutely. Because this is one thing Ash always talks about, that once you've made the decision, once he'd sort of said, it was his sound guy, actually, that when Ash first heard the words, oh, Ash doesn't drink, that was a couple of weeks into his year off. That's how he started. But he said, once he heard those words, Ash doesn't drink, he's like, oh, yeah, right. I don't drink. Mm. And even Mm. at that point, he thought it was only for the year. But so he said, it just made it so much easier. Once he just took any kind of, it was just like any kind of question off the table, it just made it easy for him. And so he just went with it. How was it for you working with Ash? You and Ash worked together on Ash's song, Shout Into the Noise. Mm. You co-wrote that and produced that for Ash, and which has been a, a very successful song for Ash as well. So and congratulations for you both on that. What was it like for you working with Ash and knowing that he didn't drink? Was that something that you were kind of like shocked by or how was that for you? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was awesome hearing Ash's story as well. And, and I guess your story as well, because it was, it was so like, nice to have those two things tied up and I think what was really nice when Ash and I met and why we were like oh we should work on stuff together is we kind of really quickly cut a lot of the bullshit and got straight to 
the, the deep chats, which is a very active thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was nice to hear his story and see how much zest for life you guys have and, and see that it's possible to, it's not this subtractive thing. It's not mm. this missing out on something. So that was, that was really nice. It was really nice to be like, oh, okay, there is someone who's done the rounds of the music industry, done the drinking, done all that sort of stuff, popped out the other side, made a change and look how positively it's impacted his life and look at his spirit and the, the compounding effect that it's had across his life. And that was like, just really, really nice to, I was pretty excited. Like, cause we, we hadn't seen each other for a year or so. And then I, we caught up. I guess when he was just in Sydney to work on some new music and I was like, how soon into the chat do I tell him that I've stopped drinking? Like how, how like tokenistic do I, do I make this thing? Like, I was like, maybe I should, maybe I should get a year under my belt before I've told them I've stopped drinking or maybe I should, yeah, get his advice, pick his brain or pick your brain as well. Cause yeah, cause I'm, I'm aware of like six months is still the longest I've gone in my entire life, but I'm also aware that there's a lot of different waves and journeys and different things that happen from this point out so yeah really interested to see see what the next little bit is so cool i remember ash i think he was still in sydney when he called me and was like guess what Lockie's off the booze yeah. <laughs> you should get <laughs> to your on point, the podcast <laughs> it was interesting like i actually last night i went and watched the the matilda's game and i, I maybe it's not the first time it's happened but i had like this credit to like, I've got some really good mates around me. I showed up late. One of my mates had already gone to the bar. He'd come back with the sort of, you know, five or six drinks thing in his hand, trying to like designate, designate the drinks out to all his friends. And just without even saying anything, he was like, beer for those three mates. And then luck, there's just a non-alcoholic beer, just like went straight into my hand. Uh... No like fanfare, no nothing. Just like, oh yeah, it, you know, that's my equivalent of like the Ash doesn't drink sort of thing i had a moment of being like oh yeah this is like this is no longer any form of trivial new information within my friend groups i'm super super lucky that i know that's probably not always the case for for some people yeah that's so fantastic it's so nice to have that support and also nice that you're around them and they feel comfortable enough too to have a couple of years if they want to it's not impacting anyone else. It's just your choice. And they're happy to kind of celebrate that with you too, just by going here. There's no big deal. You just have your yeah. drink. That's fucking cool. Yeah. Have you found that like, cause I'm, I'm always interested in that. I'm always interested in the, you know, I can see the benefits for me at this stage and I can, I'm sort of past the point of thinking about it as oh, I, I do and don't drink. I don't really so much just at six months. Like I don't feel the temptation too much anymore, but I do see sometimes how it affects other people and that like culture, like how have you gone being as far in as you are with it when if you are like, let's meet for a drink and you're sort of missing out on that like perceived bonding that happens with two people who are drinking, mm. how have you like navigated that? That's the only thing I don't think you want to learn plenty of things I don't know but like that's the only thing that I hatched sometimes and I go oh wow I think that person's made a little bit uncomfortable by, by my not drinking yeah I just try and make it as comfortable for them as possible in that I always say oh yeah like like if someone invites me for a drink I would say oh I don't drink alcohol but I'll come around and I'll bring some soda water or something like that or and mm. so I, and I'm like so I still encourage them that I still want to do it and then if people feel uncomfortable 
I just expect that. I'm kind of used to it now. Like so I'm sometimes we don't get invited to things or I don't know, I see people recoil a little bit sometimes and I always just say, don't worry, I'm not judgy about it. I just, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and then, yeah, it's, I think it's different for everyone, but I always think that's just a reflection of, of perhaps where they're at. But I just work really hard to make people feel comfortable and not judge others because fucking hell, I've been there myself. Yeah. And I had to start to come at it in my own time and it works for me. And just because what I choose works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone else or should work for anyone else. So that's mm. how I like to see it, just staying on judgy. And I think that people can pick up on that, hopefully. I've definitely had a few. I was starting and like it was sort of quite trivial that I wasn't drinking and I was really excited to like get out with friends that I was like, hey, like I'm sticking with this. I usually don't. This is exciting. We'd go out. And I'd have friends who were really drunk who would start asking me about why I stopped. And then mm. I was being probably a bit of a dickhead and sharing that, like, I was like, yeah, just, you know, the hangovers and just everywhere. And knowing full well that this person sitting here on their way to having a hangover tomorrow and sort of watching the light kind of be like run from their eyes. And I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta stop talking. I gotta stop talking, period. Um, and be a little bit more like considerate of like other people's journey and relationships and not be such a, yeah. Oh, Lockie, don't worry. I've been there, done that. Don't worry as well. I think that's fine. And in some ways it's great too, because they might remember that when they wake up feeling like fucking death the next day and they might think, shit, Lockie is not feeling like how I feel right now. And maybe Mm. I'll have another chat with him about it. It's all about like being able to be open and, and have conversations. So if people feel that they can have that conversation with you now, it's probably great. It's not a small thing to stop drinking alcohol because it's everywhere. Like it's mm. all throughout the music industry. It's all throughout every single part of our Australian culture. And it is a big thing. And so for some people, it's bigger than others because it might be in their family or culturally or whatever. I mean, it's becoming more accepted now. Like more and more people are going alcohol-free now. It's not such a big deal, but for some people it is big. So if they know that you're available there to chat, it's kind of cool. So I think it's good. Don't give yourself a hard time about that. No way. <laughs> so Lockie, you were also diagnosed with Crohn's disease, is it right? In your early 20s? Yeah, yeah, early yeah. 20s. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like alcohol worsened any symptoms of the Crohn's or any flare-ups? Yeah, it's really tricky with Crohn's because it's a spectrum of a sort of thing. And I feel like I've, I've sort of, it's been about 10 years of it now for me. And I've been crazy, crazy lucky that I've been able to get it under control. And that's not the same for everyone. It's really tricky for people and for people that can't or don't have that option or medication's just not working for any reason. I think when I first got the diagnosis, the community around it didn't really like value diet too much or at least the community that I was in and it was a lot of like it's pretty crazy to think about but I remember having a a doctor be like you can have genetic markers that make you predisposed to it and diet isn't really super influential on it which everyone knows now is just not the case and I remember having seeing a gastroenterologist and them saying yeah diet doesn't really affect it and then telling my mum that at the time. And she was like, that sounds like bullshit. And then now my gastroenterologist is like, diet is hugely helpful for this. Like you can do wonders with it, dealing with it. I think when I was younger, when I was like touring and drinking like a fish and eating tour food and constantly like fast food every night, it's sort of no, 
it doesn't surprise me looking back now that I was like, oh, of course my Crohn's was going to flare. Mm-hmm. I still have Crohn's, but like I could have sort of mitigated some of that suffering and the intensity of some of those flare-ups that you get. I know that cutting that out has definitely helped because at the end of the day, it's like inflammation, right? And it's definitely not helping. Yeah, because you'd think that like removing anything that would do that would be helpful and beneficial. And so any lifestyle choices, removing stress and and bringing in ways to manage your own nervous system and, and obviously your diet, I mean, clearly... Yeah, so that's great. I mean, I'm sure that taking out, I mean, don't quote me, I'm no doctor, but I'm sure that removing alcohol and anything that causes inflammation in the body would be helpful. So that's great. What did you use alcohol for, mostly, Lockie? Like you said, you used it as a bit of of a lubricant when you're in the studio. Yeah, what was sort of behind the drinking for you, do you think? What caused you to want to drink most of the time? Most of the time, it was like reward system, I think. Mm -hmm. Not always, but like, I guess I'd sort of put it in two categories, right? For me, I had the daily sort of like passive drinking in life, which was like spending a day working on music, it sort of ticking around 5.30 and going, should we have a beer? Did we do good today? Should we like reward ourselves? And so that's sort of one relationship to drinking, which was like one or two drinks, that sort of classic thing. And then the other side of it was like the blowouts, which were Friday night, or been working hard, been sort of getting through everything. I want to go and order six margaritas and put them in my body and just reward. It wasn't so much. Yeah. I think that like, that's what it all sort of boiled down to for me. I was like pretty desperate to have that kind of like, for me, it was like gluttony. It was like being able to just be like another one, another one. Like, I don't, I'm not going to stress about moderating or regulating myself. Let's Mm. just go for it. Those are the ones where I'd then spend three days in bed because I'd be hungover beyond recognition. And there's no reward in that, is there? (laughs) Well, yeah. Not very rewarding. The reward was pretty short-lived. So the process so far has been like working out, like how do you, because that feeling is still there. I still get to 5.30 and I still look around and I still want the like, reward for the hard day's work but it's like okay is, is there something else that is there something that's actually going to be a reward that's actually going to make me feel better rather than sort of lie of alcohol yeah absolutely so this is really important because so many people are drinking just for that like it's my reward at the end of the week and then obviously if you kind of play it forward you realize well it's not so rewarding when i'm waking up feeling like a dog the next day because what's important is to identify why we drink And if we want to be successful and have a happy life moving forward without it, it's to try and figure out, okay, how can I give myself that in another way that's more healthy and supportive for myself so I can still feel like I'm being rewarded in some way. So tell me how you reward yourself at the end of putting out a new song. Yeah, yeah, good I mean, I've always had a a rule that was like, if I ever release a song, I go and I buy a cupcake. That was a like longstanding rule. And then if I put out an album, the question was, do you buy 10 cupcakes or one giant cupcake or do you buy? <laughs> and like it was up on the internet, de- hotly debated between fans of our band for a while, what the appropriate thing was. Yeah, I think the reward now for me, like I'll do the typical things of like getting outside and going for a run instead and, and whatnot. But I, I know that those things aren't. They they also always do require a tiny bit of motivation and it's not always, I know that that's something that feels like a reward after you do it, but 
in the middle of when you get home from the long day to be like, oh, I've got to put on the shoes and go for a run. That doesn't really feel particularly doesn't sound rewarding. That rewarding. <laughs> no. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what big thing that I've found like has been that I had this really good chat with my brother-in-law sort of maybe around the start of the year as well, who has sort of had his, not so much drinking, but his own sort of struggles with inflammation in his body, getting it under control. And he had talked about, he was like, there's no silver bullet here. And that was something that I'd found really, really healthy and helpful where cutting out alcohol, that wasn't the thing that has over the last six months tangibly changed things for me it's that cutting out alcohol meant that on sunday morning i wasn't so hungover so i didn't order the triple fill at bondi burger to my on uber eats to my couch that i was perked up on which meant that i didn't eat like absolute shit so i felt a little bit better and i had a little more energy to cook a healthier dinner that night when i woke up on monday morning i maybe had a bit more base to be able to be a bit more reasonable and easy at work which meant I could go for a run Mm. on Monday night which meant on Mm. Tuesday I felt better and that sort of compounding effect was the the actual benefit not so much the did I put two drinks or one drink in my body and things didn't magically just get better but the knock-on effect was the was the thing so when I answer like the question about rewards I think shifting my brain a little bit to being like okay like it's I might not get a reward that I want, like an easy win in this moment. You know, I could go get a massage or do something, but that's not always available. And But knowing that it's been getting easier to do things that actually are rewarding by virtue of not having this thing that's just absolutely dragging me back and holding me back and literally taking me the other way under the guise of a reward. That's been like the big surprise, I think. That's amazing. I'd never thought of that, to be honest, like that mm. it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be an on the spot reward that you give yourself, but the re- reward can be is how you're feeling the next day and that space that you're giving yourself the next day. And then the knock-on effect of that is the reward. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome, Lockie. That's great. So how is it for like your band members? Like, were they okay with you not drinking? Are they all good with it? Again, like I'm super lucky, like it was just met with like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. Like we're on board. Let's keep going. I think that's, you know, a product of those guys are awesome and supportive and lovely humans. And, and also the culture of our band isn't really big party animals anyway. So we were already a little bit on that path. Mm. It wasn't too dissimilar from what we were doing so far. And it just means like we did a show last weekend and Really, the only difference is that there's non-alcoholic beers on the rider. That's probably the only difference. That's so awesome. It's been nice that that hasn't changed anything. Yeah, that's so fantastic. I love that. That's so, so awesome. So, Lockie, the only other thing I wanted to ask was that, tell me about, like, has there been a time in these last 200 days where you felt super triggered or you felt like, I really need a drink or I really want a drink? And how did you get through that? Yeah, good question. Definitely the start. I think there was like, I could really just see that in myself, like the, that thing we were talking about before the 5.30, 6pm, the like, ooh, that's what that is. Okay, that's a, that's me really wanting a drink. I found the non-alcoholic drinks to be pretty good at that. And I sort of made a deal with myself that I wouldn't ever consider the cost or the like non-alcoholic drinks are obviously better than alcoholic drinks but they're not 
amazing for your health. Like they're fine in moderation, but if you put 10 of them away, you're going to probably feel a bit bloated or sugary or, or whatever. But I'd sort of made a deal with myself that I was like, I'm not going to focus or care about any of that. If I'm at that wedding and they have the non-alcoholic beers and I feel triggered in this moment, just while I'm kind of getting my feet under myself, I'm going to be okay with using that as a support system. If the alternative is reaching for the drink and slowly just sort of like putting some training wheels on myself to slowly, slowly ease myself into that process. So that's been really, really helpful. Been a couple of times. I mean, I went to like a wedding where they didn't have non-alcoholic drinks and I was like, oh, this is going to be tough to be either drinking 30 soft drinks and being on the biggest sugar high ever recorded or <laughs> having to feel the awkwardness, which is totally fine and totally good to feel. Like, I think it's important to not just run away from those feelings to be like, okay, I'm feeling awkward in this moment. Mm. But yeah, just being able to have some of those things, I think has helped mean that it's not always a struggle. It's not always relying on this well of motivation, which can sometimes just not be there because humans and life. So yeah, and even if I get to the end of the night and I look at the bank account the next day and go, I spent how much on non-alcoholic beers? I go, that's fine. That is the cost of doing business at the moment. Whatever. That's okay. The alternative at the moment for me is how much did I spend on regular beers and I also feel like shit and kind of just sort of try to incrementally for just for myself I've just found that to be the work and be helpful yeah absolutely so now that you've taken the alcohol out and you're 200 days down the track how is your mental health these so, days yeah the knock-on thing has been really really valuable for me like it's meant that I've been able to have space to deal with mental health just in the way of like not being pulled back, not feeling like I'm resetting every single time I go out and have one of those big blowouts and wake up the next day and go, which again, few and far between, but enough over a year to feel like the the week after, oh, I just, I would just feel like I'm having to build up my mental health and resilience every time. And so, yeah, it feels really good at the moment. And I've had Yes, my partner and my a few friends be like, hey, like we see a change in you. And that's been nice and that's been affirming and that's been really encouraging to have the people closest to you go, hey, we actually think that going from being like, you don't have a drinking problem. Like, why do you need to stop drinking to be like, we can see that whatever you're doing, keep doing it, keep moving along that path, which yeah. has been awesome. I guess I'm, yeah, as I said, I'm interested to see kind of what the next six months to 12 months, what challenges pop up there and what kind of moves forward from that. That's awesome, Lockie. That's so great. I love that too, that oh, you know, doing your problem, what's the problem to then these people who love you going, oh, wow, that's obviously a good choice for you. So that's so beautiful. And I love that they celebrate your choices and support you in that. You're very lucky. And I think that's wonderful. So where to from here for you? Are you, do you have a time frame in mind or is it just see what happens? I think it has to be see what happens. I think that yeah. was the thing that was helping me at the start, having to wrestle with the like, do I just not drink anymore? And then going, whoa, that feels daunting and intimidating. And then having the sort of like AA approach of just won't do it today. That mindset I found was really, really helpful. I think I'm done. I'm pretty sure I'm done. I would like to think that the changes that I've seen would mean that this is something that can continue which I think is very different to being like, I'm going to do a year and on 
a year and one day I'm going to have the blowout of a lifetime. And I don't think I'm thinking in those terms. I'm thinking in terms of like, how far can I push this? This would be cool to see if I could keep going. And if I blink and five years has gone by, that would be preferable. I love that. That's a really no pressure option. That's a great way to do it. I think that's wonderful. And I think my advice for you, if I may give some going forward, is I just yeah. yeah, just keep on focusing on the good stuff and focusing on on how you feel and how you want to feel. If the choices that you're making are supporting how you want to feel, then you just keep going with that and think, okay, what's my fastest way back to Shitsville? Probably involves having 12 margaritas. So let's not do that. Just mm. keep pushing forward in a really positive, optimistic way of just, this is a great choice for me. This is a great option for me and see where this goes. And I love the idea that you're not putting too much of a heavy time frame on it because we're all different, right? So I work really well with the time frame, but not everyone does. So it's really important on this journey, for want of a better word, is to find what works for you. And we all know ourselves. We know how we are. So well done. I'm so mm. excited for you. And what have you got? Have you got anything coming up musically? Musically? Yeah. I'm just deep in writing. So my band, Mansionaires, writing a new album sort of thing. I'm deep awesome. in just working with artists. And it's been nice post-COVID to not be touring as much and just be kind of going back to just being a bit of a studio head, which I think is my like natural habitat. <laughs> so nice. dirty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm built for touring. I don't think many people are, but I don't think me especially. Oh, touring's brutal. It's fucking so ridiculous. Brutal. So hard. Yeah. And also I love the new song that you and Ash have just been kind of working on. Yeah. It's fucking banger. Oh my God. Yeah, it's good. He's, he's a talented man, that man. Oh, you both are. You're both fantastic. So Lock Bostock, who's in the band Mansionaire, I would say to people, go have a listen. Go have a listen to Mansionaire and add to their 1.4 million listeners <laughs> each month. That's insane, Lockie. It's insane. I love the song Easier and I was listening to that song before we started recording. For me, it kind of sang to me too because I thought, well, life is easier. I don't know about you, but I just think for me, life is so much easier without the booze. So I thought that song could be my soundtrack for the next little while. It's a great song. Mm -hmm. Did you write that? Uh, yeah, yeah. We wrote all, that all, of you. All, all together, but probably at a time, I'm not going to be too sort of advantageous with like links and metaphors, but like we were probably at, like we definitely were at our most burnt out, drinking the most, all those mm. sort of things at that time. So mm -hmm. kind of track with everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Funny when Ash wrote the song Bottled Thunder and he talks about alcohol drinking from him. It's funny because now we look back and think, wow, that's a great anthem for sobriety. But he was like boozing. His head was blown up like a balloon and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not in a good place when he wrote that. Maybe uh, that's his subconscious telling him to stop. <laughs> exactly sneaking it out yeah awesome Lockie well thank you so much for your time today I so appreciate it you're so awesome and it's really cool too for me to listen to something that doesn't have an acoustic guitar in it or prominently in it it's quite my daughter Sunny was like what are you listening to mum <laughs> this is not like you these <laughs> are synths and program drums I know suddenly I got a whole lot cooler in the eyes of my 14 year old so thanks <laughs> <laughs> what we do it for that's the that's the goal oh, awesome lucky thank you so much and uh, we'll speak to you soon if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, bye.